We're going to have uh, some fun this morning as we wrap this uh, retreat up. It's always a joy to be able to open God's Word together, isn't it? And we're going to do that this morning. And I have the privilege of wrapping up the retreat with this last session. And we've been emphasizing this whole weekend uh, the need for us to listen to God through His Word. So in session one, we listened to the whole story of the Bible. And Pastor Cody did it in like 35 minutes. That's, that's a pretty big feat. Then we, um, uh, Saturday morning, we spent some time looking at what it means to listen to God supernaturally and the, the, uh, the interconnectedness between God's Word and prayer. And then last night we looked at the natural act of listening to God speak in His Word. We rolled up our sleeves and we tackled a, a text and we dug into it. We sunk our spiritual teeth into it by annotating our way through it and looking, what God has, looking at what God has to say and listening intently. But listening is only half the battle, and it is a battle, as we're going to see here in our text this morning. See, God wants pure devotion from us. He wants, he wants every fiber of our being. He doesn't want some fibers. He wants every fiber of our being. And listening is a part of that, but it's not the only thing. It's not the only thing. You might want to write this down. Pure devotion before the Lord is revealed by how we listen to His Word and obey it. I'll say it again. Pure devotion before the Lord is revealed by how we listen to His Word and obey it. So we're going to explore these two truths of listening and obeying a bit more this morning. So if you have your copy of God's Word, go ahead and turn to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 19 through 27, so 19 through the end of the chapter. And we're going to be looking at listening and obeying and what God has to say in regards to both of those this morning. So let's begin in verse 19, if you're there. Let's just dive right in. Verse 19, it says, Know this, my beloved brothers and sisters, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to speak. To anger. So this text starts out with know this. It means to, to listen up, pay attention. You must grasp what I'm about to say. What I'm going to say next is important. So lean forward. I know this is the, the last day of this retreat. Everybody's a little tired. Um, we've worn you out. This is not a, a call at this point to check out and, and nod off as some of you will later. Um, this is a call to lean forward, lean into the Lord Press into the Lord. So know this. Know this. And look what uh, James says next. He says, Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Uh, this, this, uh, this phrase, let everyone, it loses a little bit of the, the forcefulness of it when it's translated from the original language into English. This is, this is not a, well, if you want to or if you feel like it kind of a phrase. This is actually a command. It's an imperative. And so we're, we're commanded to do something. In this case, we're commanded to do three things. Let's look at the text. It says, first, let every person be what? Go ahead. Don't be shy. Quick to hear. Quick to hear. Let every person be quick to hear. That means that, that there's a, a speed of doing something implied here. There's always be ready to hear. Always be ready to listen. Always have an attitude of listening. Don't tune out. 
pay attention. <laughs> I saw a guy in a movie once record himself. He grabbed a little recorder, tape recorder. He recorded himself saying things like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh-huh. And then whenever somebody would call him, he would, and they didn't want to talk to him, he'd take the phone and he'd set it down, he'd take his little tape recorder and he'd hit the play button and then he'd walk away. And all you could ever, and all you, um, all you could hear was this person talking on the other line and then occasionally this, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's not what's going on here in the text, okay? That's not listening. That's not the kind of hearing that we're being uh, commanded to do here. But there's also a second command. The second command is, let every person be slow to speak. Now, why does James tell us this? Why does James tell us this? Be slow to speak. It's because uncontrolled and voluminous speech reveal pride in our lives. They reveal pride in our lives. It means that we're more eager to share what we have to say than we are at listening to what others have to say. Let me give you some examples of ways that we can detect pride through our speech. Just a few here. We talk about ourselves all the time. <laughs> have, you ever, have you ever noticed that? Um, you're hanging out with somebody and, and it's like, man, they haven't asked me one thing about myself, but they've been doing a really good job of talking about their lives. Well, that's one one way we can detect pride is that we notice we're talking about ourselves all the time. How about this one? We like to hear the sound of our own voices. In other words, we talk too much. When I was a kid, we used to call that motor mouths. Is that still a thing? Probably not. I'm old. But it's like, it's like this. It's this constant talking, 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 talking. They won't be quiet. They never shut up. They always are talking up, right? And um, uh, that's a sign of, of pride. We like to hear the sound of our own voices. We always have an opinion. We always have an opinion. Um, when I was a kid, uh, my dad taught me, um, uh, he asked the question, do you know how much your opinion's worth? And, um, and he used to say, we used to say two cents. You know, let me give you my two cents, right? He's like, oh, no, 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 opinion, right? So your, your opinion is actually worth less than two cents. It's worth one cent. <laughs> that always stuck with me. Here's another thing. We think our advice is always the best. Like we always, like somebody's like talking about their troubles in life, their trials in life. And we're like, oh, you know what? I can solve your problem. I am the best thing since sliced bread. I know how to fix your problems. And so I'm going to what? Be quick to speak. I'm going to speak into it. Like I know what's going on and I'm God's perfect gift for you. Any of those ring a bell? You see any pride in your life with some of those examples? And what we're being uh, called to do here is to be more willing to listen than to speak. In fact, Proverbs 18, 13 says, If a person speaks before he or she listens, it brings them folly and shame. This has been a, a, a huge ministry verse for me, personally. Because as a pastor, I get asked to speak into things a lot. And sometimes I could have this attitude of like, well, okay, I've listened enough. I know what I'm going to say. This is what you're going to do. I'm going to fix your problem. Here's the plan. Here's the one plus one equals two equation formula to go fix your problems. And if we're not careful, what we're actually going to be doing is bringing folly and shame to ourselves. Here's the third command. Um, James is saying, let every person be slow to anger. Did you know that uncontrolled anger is also a revealer of pride and a lack of self-control? 
Let me give you some examples of ways that we can detect pride. How about this? We are quick to fly off the handle. I mean, the slightest thing that comes up just sets us off. We blow our lids. We blow our tops. When something doesn't go our way, when I don't get what I want, I'm quick to just blow up and yell and scream and curse and belittle those around me. I, I think of anger from inside out. That's a good representation. Good movie, by the way. Here's another one. We insist on always getting our way. It's like, is this my way or the highway? Like, I want what I want. I don't care what you want, so it's going to be what I want, not what you want. And if you don't give me what I want, then I'm going to be angry at you about that. What's the source of, of uh, quarrels and fights among you? James 4. Here's another one. How about we try to control people and situations? That's a form of anger. When I try to control people and make them do what I want them to do, that is a form of anger that reveals pride in my life. Young ladies, let me just speak to you for a second. If you're dating a guy like this, dump him. Like, I mean, immediately. You have my permission, in fact, to take out your phone right now and text the guy right now while I'm preaching and say, my pastor just said, you have a heart of anger. You're trying to control me. I should dump you. You're dumped. <laughs> and I'm dead serious about that. Because if, if he's treating you that way now, how much more so when you marry him? And, and I've just got to say, I have had to deal with these situations over the last six months, and it's heart-wrenching, heartbreaking. And so we can have a little humor with it, but I'm serious. If you're in one of those relationships right now, you cut bait and run. He's not worth your time. And to the young men, let me just say this. If I, if, I'm sorry if I sound like I have an attitude about this. I'm just passionate about this. Young men, if this characterizes your life, repent. Repent. Confess it before the Lord and repent. Pride. Pride revealed in how we control people. So is any of that reminiscent of us? Does any of that characterize us? Any of that characterize you? So what we should do is we should look to listen more, speak less, and grow in kindness. So the first step to full devotion before the Lord is that we must humbly listen to His Word. We must humbly listen to His Word. We need to shut up and listen up. If I could say it like that. And yet our tendency is to listen less to God speak more to Him, demand more from Him, and then get angry with Him when He doesn't do what we want Him to do. Well, let's keep reading and see what God has to say about that. Verse 20, For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So now he's explaining why, why these commands. Um, James is saying that the anger of man does not produce righteousness. Unholy anger could never glorify God. It's always sinful. It's always sinful. But look at verse 21. Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. So the first half of 21, James is now saying, okay, be slow to speak, slow to anger. Now I'm going to step out and I'm going to cover everything else. <laughs> he says, uh, put away all sinfulness, all filth and wickedness. Filth is this idea of, of moral defilement 
or corruption. It's vulgarity. Have you ever noticed how vulgar we are and what we do and say? At least, at least from a cultural perspective, this rampant wickedness has this idea of wholesale, unchecked depravity. And James is saying here, put it all away. This is essentially put off, a put-off section in Scripture. He's saying, put this off. You might even circle, this, circle that phrase in your Bible in verse 21. Put away. Circle it. He's saying, be done with it. Take it off. Do not let this characterize the way you live. Let me give some examples to illustrate what I mean. How about rebellion against authority? Rebellion against authority. Rebellion against parents. Rebellion against teachers. Rebellion against student leaders. Rebellion against those in authority over you. You know what that really reveals? That's really rebellion against God. Here's another example. Sexual immorality. How about instead of asking the question of how far is too far, like is first base, second base, third base too far? How about we ask this question instead? Will God be pleased by what we're doing? Will God be pleased by what we're doing? Will God be pleased by what we're watching on TV? Will God be pleased by what I'm looking at on my phone or on my computer? Here's a, a, a cultural buzzword. Bullying. Bullying. Let me give you a biblical definition of that. Anytime you are unkind to another person, that's bullying. That's a biblical definition. And what we really are telling people when we're unkind to them, we're really telling them God made a mistake in making them. That's what we're really saying. So those are some examples of sinfulness that James is calling us to, to put away. He say, take those off. Don't let those characterize your life. Instead, look at the second half of verse 21. And he says, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. This, this idea of, of receiving, it's a command. And I think it connects with the, the first command of be quick to hear. We need to be quick to hear and receive. And it requires what? Meekness. This is where I'm getting this idea of humility. We're not going to hear and receive if we're not humble. And for us to hear and receive the word of God, we must practice humility. Pride and selfishness are what fuel our filth and depravity. So what James is doing here is he's not just focused on behavioral change. Yes, the entire book of James is really about how we're supposed to live rightly before the Lord. But all of that is tied to what is going on within us. It's not behavioral modification, it's heart transformation. Putting away sinfulness in our lives begins with receiving God's word in humility. His word is able to save our souls because it transforms our hearts. So God's calling us to humbly listen to his word. But hear, hear this, hear this, this is not all that he's calling us to do. Look at verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Uh, be doers. It's another command. We're commanded to live out the word of God. This implies that we're actually doing something, that we're actually practicing an activity of doing something. We're not hearers only. Hearing is not enough. That's part of it, but that's not the only thing. That's not going far enough. And, he, and, and so what, what what we're called here to do is the second truth that's required to live devoted lives before the Lord is 
um, living faith, or, or sorry, we, obeying faithfully God's word. We must obey his word. Here's the danger of only listening to the Bible. If all we do is ever listen to the Bible, here's the danger. It's right here in the text. We deceive ourselves into thinking that everything is honky-dory with our relationship with the Lord. That everything is good. That our relationship with God is healthy and vibrant. Listening alone can fuel the pride in our hearts. It means nothing to the Lord. It It doesn't impress Him. And what's worse is it deceives us into thinking that God and I are all good. God, or me and the man upstairs, we're tight. By the way, don't ever use that terminology to refer to the Lord. Write this down. Listening without doing is worthless. Listening without doing is worthless. And you say, well, Pastor Chris, is there, might there be an illustration that, we could, that you could give us to help us understand this? Well, yeah, it's right here in the text. It's, a, it's a, a God-ordained illustration. Let's read verses 23 and 24. For, again, he's about to explain what he just said. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. Have you guys ever, ever noticed that whenever we walk past the mirror, we have this uh, tendency or we, we can't help but look at ourselves in the mirror as we walk by? You're like walking in the bathroom, there's the vanity, you're like, oh yeah, hello, right? <laughs> have you ever noticed that, right? Oh, come on, don't leave me hanging. Um, what do we look at? We tend to look at our hair. Uh, that hasn't been a problem for me in a while. <laughs> we make sure that nothing is hanging out of our noses, very important, um, or anything that is, is stuck in our teeth. Sometimes maybe we even just pose and say to ourselves, man, the difference between me and everybody else is I make this look good, right? (laughs) The funny thing is we do this many times throughout the day. Why do we do this so much? Pride is probably a part of it, but I think primarily it's part, we forget what we look like. We forget what we look like. We see ourselves or the image of ourselves in the mirror and then we walk away and go about our business and we're like, I wonder what I look like. I need to go back and see if there's anything new in my nose, right? And this is the point that James is making. If we only ever listen to God's word, then we quickly forget what it says about who we are and how we should live before God. See, the Bible is like a mirror. It reflects who we are back to us so that we see ourselves the way God sees us. And this is a gift. It's a gift. Because only God knows our hearts. In fact, another passage, Hebrews 4.12, it says, The word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And it's able to, in, in my, my uh, translation, fillet open our hearts. So when we, when we look intently at God's word, we listen carefully and humbly What it does is it actually reveals, it opens up our hearts, and it shows us what God already sees. And that's a gift. The Word of God reveals what is going on in us. When we read it, we see the good, the bad, and the ugly. That's a good thing. That's a gift from God. But if we don't act on what God's Word says, then we forget that. We forget who we are. And that's a very dangerous place to be, because that's called self-righteousness. Look at verse 25. But the one who looks into the perfect law, 
the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So if we instead look intently at the word of God and listen carefully to what it says and then persevere in doing it and living it out, then guess what? God blesses it and God blesses it. You see, God loves it when his children listen to him and obey him. He loves it. In fact, if you're struggling with understanding what your purpose in this life is, that's it. That's your purpose. That's it. It's listening and obeying. Our purpose is to love God and enjoy Him. And when we do this, when we live like this, God is pleased. And guess what? We are too. We are too. God is glorified when we act like this because His image bearers are doing what they were created to do. Image Him. So let me ask the question, how's your obedience to the Lord? How's your obedience to the Lord? In fact, what's one area of your life where you need to be more obedient? What's one area of your life you need to be more obedient? Now, now, don't cut yourself some slack on this. Don't just say, well, I need to read my Bible more. I need to prioritize church and student ministries and yada, yada, yada. That's kind of the easy way out. That's probably a truth for all of us. Okay, can we, can we all agree we all need to do those things more? Yeah. Um, but let me love you enough to press in more. What's an area of your life that you've not fully surrendered to God or that you continuously struggle in? If you have it in mind, write it down. In your journal that you were provided, write it down. Sometimes it's helpful to see it on a piece of paper. Maybe it's trusting God more with whatever is going on in your life. You're struggling trusting God. Walk through your trial rather than run from it or avoid it. Maybe you're running from or avoiding your trials, the struggles that you have. Or maybe it's relinquishing control and recognizing that God is the only one who is actually in control. Did you know that human control is a mirage? And yet we are bound and determined to try to control what we do in this life rather than recognizing that God is sovereign and He is in control. Do you know that God is in control ultimately over whether you live or die today? Now we bear some responsibility, but God is the one who's sovereignly in control. And He's the only one in this room that knows whether I will wake up in the morning in this world or whether I will be with Him in the morning in glory. He's the only one that knows those things. So maybe your struggle is just you, you need to give God recognize that God is already in control. We don't give God anything other than our devotion. He's in control. And maybe we need to uh, work on letting go of some things in our lives that we're trying to um, uh, control. Maybe you're gripped by fear of life. Maybe you're gripped by the fear of life and you need to be gripped by the fear of God. Perhaps it's body image issues. It's not just a female thing. It's also a male struggle. You need to know. You need to be reminded that because of your union with Christ, the beauty of Christ, the infinite, matchless, perfect beauty of Christ is now also our beauty. When God looks at us and those of us who are in Christ, he sees the beauty of Christ. It's awesome. 
awesome. So God calls us to humbly listen to his word. He calls us to faithfully obey his word. And when we practice those two truths, guess what that's called? That's called godliness. That's called godliness. And godliness reveals our devotion to God. Godliness reveals our devotion to God. Pastor Chris, can we look at some examples? Well, yes, we can, because it's in God's word. In fact, let's start with what it doesn't look like. Let's start with what it doesn't look like. Look at verse 26. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Uh, This word religion implies this uh, devotedness, this piety, devotedness. It's a, it is a, uh, an expression of one's devotion to God. This is why I, I grabbed this word early on um, when we were talking up in the very beginning of, of this uh, sermon, um, this, this idea of being fully devoted before the Lord. But here's the thing. If we think we're devoted to God, but we have no control over, for example, what we say, then our devotion, all the things that we we think we're doing for the Lord, are worthless. They don't mean anything. It's not real godliness, and therefore is not pure devotion before the Lord. And here's the thing. This is the second time we see this in the text um, for this morning. Verse 26, it says, it deceives our hearts. It deceives our hearts. So we think we're okay with God, We think we're right with God, but in the end, we're not. And I think that's what's going on in Matthew 7 when Jesus says, Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord. And he will say, Depart from me, I never knew you. Write this down. Doing without listening is legalism. Doing without listening is legalism. It's like doing what your parents tell you to do because that's what you have to do, but you don't want to do it, but you do it anyway, that's not obedience. That's fake. Even if you think your parents are pleased, here's a hint, they're probably not, but even if you think they are, that's still fake obedience. That's not, that's not obedience. And so it is with the Lord when we don't listen. The Lord is not honored by that. He's not impressed by what we do if we're not listening to Him. We tend to think that just because we go to church, we serve at church, read our Bibles occasionally, pray sometimes, go to high school retreats, we're somehow earning God's favor and impressing Him. That's false religion. That's fake devotion. It's not real. So what does pure devotion to God look like? Well, the text provides us two examples, two pictures. Let's look at those. Verse 27, first half of 27. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. So the first picture of of, uh, true devotion before the Lord is visiting orphans and widows in their distress. See, orphans uh, and widows, especially in the time that James was writing this, were uh, oftentimes alienated. If a woman's husband died, it usually meant that her livelihood died as well. And then for children, we already, we already know from Jesus' ministry that children were frowned upon as annoyances and nuisances. 
As we see how Jesus treated children in stark contrast to how the culture of that day and age really uh, viewed them. And so think of how much worse it would be for a child who lost their parents. They were isolated. They were considered worthless. Now here on the, in the western part of the world, um, the views on, on widows and orphans are a, a bit different than they were um, back in uh, the time of this writing. But the needs, the care needs have not changed. The care needs are the, are the same. So here's the principle. A person who is truly devoted to God will visit with and care for the needy, the isolated, and the cut off. And I just got to say, I'm very thankful we have small groups and other ministries available to help care for the widows in our church. I really am. It's sinful not to, actually. And I'm also thankful for all the families who have adopted or fostered orphans. And some of you in this room have even been orphans as well. See, when we care for these kinds of, of people... In these situations of life, we're really showing the world the love of Christ. He hasn't left us as widows and orphans. He hasn't abandoned us. In Christ, we are married to him because of our union with him. The church is the bride of Christ. So congratulations. If you're in Christ, you're married already. And Jesus rose from the dead, claimed us as his own, defeated death, so we're not left as spiritual widows. And God is our Heavenly Father, someone that we can cry out to, Abba, I need you, Father. Help me, Father. And God has not abandoned us as orphans. So when we care for actual widows and orphans. It shows the world how God cares for us through the relationship we have with Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. It's a beautiful picture. Might I just stop here and, and for a second just challenge us on this. Um, are you involved in caring for the needy, the isolated, and the cut off at harvest? Are you involved in that? That's not an accusation. That's a question. So the first picture of somebody who's purely devoted to the Lord is someone who's willing to take time and make sacrifices to visit with and care for those who are needy, isolated, and cut off. And I think we can all um, work a little bit harder on this. Here's the second picture. Let's pick up um, in uh, verse 27 again from the beginning. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. And, here's the second picture, to keep oneself unstained from the world. So we have to remain unstained from the world. This is talking about purity, moral purity. We're supposed to listen and obey so that the godliness that is displayed shows the world how devoted we are to the Lord. We should live above reproach just like Jesus did. And they brought accusations against him, but they were lies. They could find no fault in him. 
He lived unstained from the world, and this is how we should live as well. So God calls us to humbly listen to his word and faithfully obey it. And when both of these truths are present in our lives, then it reveals our pure devotion before him. You know what? From a, from a humanistic standpoint, when I think of devotion, I, I think of someone by the name of, of Doc Smith. And Doc Smith was married to his wife for over 60 years. Over 60 years. Now his wife's since gone on to be with the Lord. Um, and recently he told me that one of his greatest regrets is that he didn't love his wife more. He wished he had loved his wife more. Guys, you don't stay married to somebody for over six decades if you don't love them. And here he is at 90 years old, and he's saying, I wish I had loved my wife more. That's devotion. Or, I also think of devotion in friendships, like Frodo and Sam from Lord of the Rings. Thank you. Sam stayed by his friend no matter what happened, right? Through thick and thin, he always had his back. He did what, what he could to bear Frodo's burdens. That's a friendly devotion, right? It's friendly devotion. But ultimately, we need to think of Jesus' devotion to the Father. He said that the Father was with him because he always did the things that were pleasing to the Father, he always did those things that were pleasing to the Father. And so on the eve of his death, he prayed, Father, not my will be done, but your will be done. And then he went to the cross on the next day willingly and suffered the most horrible death and had the most suffering that no other human has ever experienced before. So we had to ask the question, what about your devotion to the Father? Where is it at right now? It's not simply reading a daily devotional that makes us devoted to God, although those can be helpful. Eugene Peterson describes devotion as a long obedience in the same direction. I think that's helpful. It's not time-bound. Our devotion is not time-bound. Our obedience is not time-bound. It involves a daily listening a daily obedience to God. So I ask again, is that what your devotion to the Lord looks like? Is that what your devotion to the Lord looks like? Hey, as, as we go today, you know, as we, we leave this retreat and we head back into the world, um, I, I just want to press in and um, ask us, beg us, implore us to focus our hearts on listening to God's word. Focus our attention on him. And then faithfully do what it says. No matter how hard it is. That's pure devotion. That's living like Jesus. That's showing the world Jesus. And that's also living your purpose. Let's pray. Oh God, when we come to passages of Scripture like this, our, sometimes our temptation is to think that we can do this on our own. 
Sometimes our temptation is to think that that we just we just need to be better at listening and obeying. And we try to try to do it and muster our own strength and do it in our own and our own strength and our own understanding. And Lord, that would be a wrong takeaway for today. That would not be pure devotion before you. And so, God, I would ask that as we leave this retreat, that you would superintend your strength and power on us through the Holy Spirit that resides in us, or at least for those who are in Christ, such that you can enable us and give us the desire to listen humbly and faithfully obey. And I pray this now and forevermore. Lord, find us faithful. Lord, help us. Grow our devotion to you, Lord. These things we pray in your name.